we continue worshiping this morning, we invite you to turn in your Bible or Bible apps to the words of the Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning in the 36th verse. Let us receive the Word of God. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Spirit, come and move among us with resurrection power to give new life, new perception, new ways of being according to the power of the risen Christ and in Christ's image. Be with me now. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts together glorify you for you O God are our rock and our redeemer amen the world begins at a kitchen table no matter what we must eat to live these lines from native american poet joy harjo came to my mind as I pondered Jesus' question in our text today. There were several questions, but this is the one that always gets me. Have you anything here to eat? As a member of my Bible study this past week said, these words are so wonderfully human. The Jesus that we meet today has been through so much. Life, friendship, struggle, suffering, death on a cross, time spent in the tomb, resurrection. He's walked the seven mile stretch from Jerusalem to Emmaus and shared a meal with some disciples who only recognize him once they've all sat down at a table to share a meal. Jesus promptly disappears from that table, and while off camera, he appears to Simon Peter. And then 
in our text today, Jesus shows up among the disciples in Jerusalem who are busy sharing stories of these encounters that they've had. They were literally talking about having seen Jesus alive, and yet in this moment, they still can't perceive who is with them. Now, there might be any number of reasons for this, things that we could understand well. You know, things are just happening too fast. Emotional whiplash, being caught by surprise, or seeing someone somewhere when you're not expecting to see them. You don't see them in this time or this place or this way. But whatever the case, Jesus makes very clear that he is really there. No mere apparition. He is there in the flesh. Just as in the story last week from John, Jesus invites the disciples to see and to touch the wounds in his flesh. And oh, by the way, do y'all have anything around here to eat? Evidently, ushering in a whole new world makes a person hungry. <laughs> or perhaps, in his wisdom, Jesus realizes that, as in Emmaus, the way to open eyes and minds is often to share a meal together. Isn't this also wonderfully human? Just think about it. Not only sharing a meal with other people, but even just talking about food helps us know and understand one another in deep ways. It opens up conversations about culture and values and family rituals. Questions like, who has the best barbecue? What's appropriately applied to grits? Where can you find the best tamales or dim sum or bulgogi or fried chicken or jollof rice and palm butter? Is lettuce technically food? <laughs> That's actually a conversation I've had with some of my colleagues from uh, West Africa. Their answer is no. <laughs> food is so elemental and formational in our lives. In so many ways, the poets write, the world begins at a kitchen table or its cultural equivalent. Jesus did, in fact, show up at table after table and showed how to make a feast for thousands out of a bag lunch. Again and again in the story, food is key. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised to hear Jesus ask, have you anything here to eat? It is the question that sticks out of this story in a way that I can't help but believe is intentional. It seems that 
resurrection life. This is the third appearance of Jesus after the resurrection in Luke. It seems that resurrection life is not only a head trip or a spiritual experience in some disembodied way. It seems that resurrection life is not something experienced only in the hereafter when we have shaken off this mortal coil. We so often think of resurrection as only about what happens after physical death. And certainly the life with God and loved ones that awaits and the assurance that we need not be afraid of death are beautiful, liberating parts of the resurrection promise. Yet in our story today, Jesus reveals that resurrection life is also experienced in this world and is connected to bodies, to the needs of bodies, to the human lives and everyday concerns of bodies. Flesh and bone need care. They need food. Consistently, the Jesus revealed in Luke is clear that the hunger and thirst in the world is not for righteousness, sustenance, and peace only in the next life, but for those good gifts in this one. Remember that it's in Luke's account of Jesus' life that we find recorded Jesus' first sermon, and he took as his text for that sermon The lines from Isaiah, mostly Isaiah 61, that read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, also known as Jubilee. some pretty in-the-earth, embodied kind of stuff. Now, please understand, I know, I know that earlier in that same chapter that I was just quoting from, Luke 4, Jesus said that thing in the wilderness when tempted by the devil. He said that thing about how one does not live by bread alone. And aside, I often debate Jesus on this point because I'm with Oprah. I love bread. (laughs) Jesus and I go round and round on this one. I do, in fact, think I could live on bread alone. I'm kidding. You know what I mean. I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting that resurrection is only a physical experience. I'm simply amplifying the author of Luke, who clearly stresses that God not only has the power to bring new life into this created world and into our very human lives, but God is also determined to use that power. 
And this resurrection power, this recreative power of God's love is at work in Jesus from the beginning. It's there in his first sermon, proclaiming fulfillment of liberation for the oppressed and restoration of health and economic justice. These are new life for people. Resurrection power is at work every time. Jesus noticed the ones that others ignored, listened to the ones others shut down, welcomed the ones that others excluded, received the care of the ones others denied, touched the ones others avoided, and ate with the ones others called sinners. Resurrection power, life-giving power, new creation power was at work in Jesus's life on both sides of the grave. We tend to focus on how what we do in this life will get us our resurrection ticket. Jesus encourages us to focus on how what is freely given in the resurrection affects what we do in this life. Notice that in our text, Jesus doesn't speak to the disciples about their life beyond the created world, but gives direction for their witness in the created world. Jesus reminds them of what he has said and and of all they've experienced and witnessed. After all, they've been there for the whole story. They experienced Jesus's love and grace and wisdom and healing power. And they saw Jesus die a martyr's death, an innocent victim of state violence. They know what happened that Jesus didn't run, didn't get angry, didn't resist arrest, that he turned toward those who had decided that he was the enemy with open hands and arms outstretched. He had truly done nothing wrong, and in Solidarity and in peace, he suffered the blows that the poor, the oppressed, and the victimized have suffered from the beginning. And now Jesus comes and stands before the disciples again. A hungry, wounded Savior stands before the disciples, now asking, What do you have here that will care for my body? And in this question, Jesus gently guides his disciples then and now toward caring for every hungry, wounded, victimized, oppressed body.
let this, this turn, this care, let this be your witness. Let this be part of your proclamation of repentance and forgiveness of sins, not just in words, but in what you do in your lives, Jesus seems to be saying. Because you see, the world failed Jesus. We did not get it right. But God's unfailing love and the sacred resistance that is God's refusal to abandon us, God's stubborn belief in our capacity to change, that is what Jesus confirms when he shows up here on the far side of the tomb. You see, we've been forgiven our failure, and we are invited to repent, to do it differently now to change and to let that be part of our witness, part of our proclamation, part of what we then offer others because it's part of what sets us free. Again and again, we are offered this grace. We are freely offered the broken body of Jesus to perceive and to receive like food. If we're faithful, We will be witnesses, not just to the story of Jesus, but also to the ongoing realities in our world for which we need to repent. The places of struggle, suffering, and pain our living Lord calls us in his own broken body to address with love and with courage. In perceiving and receiving the risen, wounded Jesus, the invitation is to allow your heart to be broken, open, so that love pours forth in concrete, new life-making ways. Love made real through nourishing food, accessible health care, safe working conditions, living wages, restorative justice, and dignity and care for bodies of all kinds. Suffering, hungry, wounded, neglected bodies all around us come asking Have you anything here to eat? This past week, police killed 20-year-old Dante Wright and 13-year-old Adam Toledo. Even while the trial of Derek Chauvin, the police officer charged with the murder of George Floyd, is underway. And I can't help as I ponder this story, as I receive this story, as I think about this appearance of Jesus, 
I can't help but perceive Dante and Adam and George, Brianna and Sandra and Ahmad and Tamir, and a host of other victims of violences of all kinds appearing among the disciples of Jesus, among us, and saying, Look at me. Touch my wounds. Do you have anything here that can care for my body? Do you have anything that can give my body life? Can you do better next time? The resurrection reveals to us more than a future promise for ourselves. It reveals to us a present call to healing, feeding, and justice. Today we encounter the risen Jesus who extends to us love and friendship and mercy, who is for us nourishment who embodies the promise that God's love is stronger than sin and death and who gives us this word for our contemplation and our action. Do you have anything here to eat? Consider as you contemplate, we've been given another chance to care, to protect, to feed, to do justice, to love. We've been given new vision, new possibility, new freedom, new hope. A whole new world begins at a table with Jesus. Joy Harjo's poem is not, as far as I know, meant to describe this table with Jesus. But that's what I receive when she says this at the end of that poem. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet May the world end as we now know it, so broken, while we eat together and discover the whole new, restored, beautiful world that God has always had in store. Let's eat. Amen. Thank you.